0: Father, we thank you for your word. We want to seek your face today. We want you to be big in our eyes today. And what a great place to start reading your word. That you reveal yourself to us through it. God, I thank you that you have something to say to us today. That you're speaking to us. Let us have ears that we would hear what the Spirit is saying. Holy Spirit, that you would translate to each heart as we have need today. That you will move aside All the things that we've layered on there uh, and and you would fill us with your presence and your goodness and your worth. And we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You know, I have recently been fascinated by uh, ancient megalithic structures. Right. So like pyramids. This came up, I saw a video, you know, you see video. I saw a video of a guy paragliding. I think it's one of those where they've got the glider and they've got the little fan on their back and they're just floating around. He went over the top of one of these pyramids in Egypt, and I really think that was maybe the first time I'd ever seen what the top of one of them looked like. I think it was just one of the smaller ones he was going over. Um but but the, but but seeing one up close at the same time, all of these blocks laid on top of one another, and having an appreciation for how high up it was, really interesting was that even the top stones up there had had markings on them and writings on them and symbols on them. And that was interesting to me. You know, I'm getting into, you know, where did these come from? Why are they here? All of that fun stuff. There's some conspiracy theories in there too, which is probably what made me curious to start with. But anyway, so I'm noticing those. And then I start to look into some other things that are, are like that. You know, they've got the pyramids in Egypt, the again, gigantic, ancient stone Structures, And then uh, other other places in Mesopotamia or, or you think the land uh, of the Bible, the land where all of these stories uh, are set and where these people lived. You, you see other things called ziggurats. Have you ever seen a ziggurat? Kind of like a pyramid, but a little bit more structured. These tiers going up and all of these steps and, and it goes on up to the top. And those look really neat. And then, what really weirded me out is they also have those in Central America. So, in, you know, Mexico and uh, uh, Peru and places in Central America. You see these, what they were, right, right, temples, something along these lines. And they're built the same way. These structures that uh, start out at the bottom and they go up and there's all these levels and there's all these steps and, it, and it's rising up out of, off the ground and into the sky. And then I'm like, well, what are the, what do the things look like in Asia? What are they doing over there? And you see something real similar where they've got temples either built on top of a mountain Or temples that are made to look like a mountain. With all of these steps going up, you've seen these over and over where it's in a high place, and then even then you you ascend on these steps up to the top parts, and it was just odd to me the similarities and the symmetry of these structures across the world, across different continents further distances than I could even estimate, and yet here we are building similar spaces. There's this desire on the inside of mankind. and has been, apparently, since way back then, this desire and this drive to worship on a high place and to connect the heavens to the earth, or to connect the earth to the heavens, to fellowship with the divine, to know God, there's a desire there for that. And again, you see it across the whole world. And again, I was just floored by this worldwide similarity. It's almost like we share the same backstory. It's almost like there's the same thing going on, this deep need of, uh, an understanding of our need and then thinking at least along the same lines of a solution that we're not okay down here by ourselves we've got to connect with something bigger and better and greater than us we have to we have this drive to fellowship with God on the mountain so when i read here in psalm 24 who will ascend the hill of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place for thousands of years. People all over the world, what they're doing is they're trying to build a mountain that they can ascend to be closer to God. That's what these. when you see these structures, that's what I think of. It's a man made mountain that I can ascend And be closer to try to be closer to God, to connect the celestial or the heavenly with the terrestrial, the earthly, to make a connection there with the divine and to know God. And these similarities, I believe, prove even more the truth of the biblical account of the world. Because, again, a lot of these temples, they're believing a lot of things that I don't believe and that I don't think are right. But they're based out of the same drive and desire to know God and to dwell with him on the mountain. And the biblical account gives us the origin and the purpose of the world, when we read Genesis, which we have just this last year, remember Hebrews 11, it's by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. It's by faith that we even understand that. Where does it say that God placed the people that He created? In the Garden of Eden, right? In the Garden of Eden. Did you know that Scripture also tells us in the book of Ezekiel, as it's talking about the Garden of Eden, it talks the same time about the mountain of God. In the Garden of Eden, on the mountain of God, that's Ezekiel 28, if you're taking notes and you wanted to look into that. And listen, there's going to be a little bit of what they call inside baseball today. There's going to be some depth to this. And if this is new to you, I don't want you to be overwhelmed by that. The the moral and the basic Principle of what we're going to cover today is that we were created to be with God. We were created to worship Him on His holy mountain, and we know we aren't reaching it on our own. We see all these man made mountains and all these cities. We're trying to reach Him, and we can't. And Jesus is. The answer, and that's what we remember and celebrate this time each year that we worship over Christmas. That we were trying to reach up to God and couldn't do it, and so God reached down to us. So, spoiler alert, that's where we're going. But I don't want you to get lost in some of these references if you haven't read these before, if you're not familiar with some of these stories. But if you're not, it's a great opportunity to do that. Take it down and go see where we are here, because when we're looking at, again, Psalm 24, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundations on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? Who's going up? Who's getting to dwell with him? It tells us in verse 4 the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Whoops. Uh oh. Because guess what? That is not the best description of you and I, is it? We can look back over our life and are our hands clean. We can look back over our life and are our hearts pure? No. So, so there's a whoops there for us. Now it says whoever gets to ascend the hill of the Lord, the, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false, who has not sworn deceitfully, never been deceptive, That doesn't cover me or you. But look at what that person gets. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him and who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So going back to Genesis, Eden, the garden of God, the holy mountain. What did you have? Man dwelling in the presence of God. God dwelling with man. And in your Bible, did man climb his way up that mountain to the Garden of Eden? No. Did he earn his way in, buy his way in, onto that mountain in the Garden of Eden? No. Did he build something that would bring him up to the same level as God's holy mountain and his garden in Eden? No. What does it say? God created him. And what did he do? He placed him in the Garden. He carried him To the garden. Now we know from Genesis chapter 3 that because of sin and corruption, disobedience and rebellion, man was sent away, driven out is the terminology used, driven out from the garden of God. And we know that mankind has been longing to be back ever since and to dwell with God. We see that. Again, what are these structures? They're an attempt to dwell with God. We see it in Scripture. Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel or Babylon. What did they say? They said, come. This is Genesis 11, chapter four. Let us build a city for ourselves. And a tower with its top in the sky or in the heavens, let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. Let us build a city for ourselves. Let us build a tower that will reach up to the heavens. That will be a connection for us between earth and heaven. What what is a city other than where we think we'll have everything that we need? Where if we all gather up and we all chip in and we all do our part, then we'll have everything that we need. And we don't have to worry about what God said was going to happen to mankind outside of the garden in Genesis chapter three. Right. Scripture doesn't speak real well of cities in the beginning. Right. The first city, it doesn't speak well of at all. This one, obviously, they said, let us make a name for who? Ourselves. Let us make ourselves a great name Otherwise, we'll be scattered throughout the earth. And cities don't have a good tone in the book of Genesis because it's the attitude of we can have everything we need on our own. We don't need you. And Babel was a mix of a city and a high place It will exalt ourselves into the very heavens and still today, what attitude do you? What type of attitude do you see in most large cities? They're some of the most secular places, godless places on the earth. Why? Because they think they have everything that they need. Because they've built their mountain, they've built their towers, and they have everything they think that they need. Who will ascend the mountain of? The Lord, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. So, we, mankind, had a problem. We have the desire to ascend the mountain of the Lord and dwell with Him there, but we are without the ability. Without the ability. And again, there were efforts. We'll do it ourselves, we'll be God ourselves. And we see the tragedies that come about from that. Something interesting happened, though, as you keep reading the book in Exodus. God calls Moses. We met Moses when we were going through Hebrews 11. He calls Moses a mediator between God and the people of Israel as they're coming out of Egypt to be God's special possession. He brings them to Mount Sinai. And he calls Moses to meet him on the top of where? The mountain on Mount Sinai. Moses alone can go up there. The people can't go. They're scared to go anyway. They wouldn't go even if they were invited, but they weren't invited to come up the mountain. And God gives Moses on the mountaintop instruction for his people. Right? So many things he instructs them about. That's where they get the law. That's where they get the Ten Commandments. That's where they get all of these many instructions. One of the things he instructed them about was how to build a tabernacle. Or what scripture calls the tent of meeting. Build a tabernacle. Why? Exodus 25 and 8 says, You are to make a sanctuary for me, God so that I may dwell among them, the people. You're to make a sanctuary, a tabernacle for me so that I can dwell with the people. This is a sacred space. And if you read through there, he is very detailed about it. Very specific about it. One part that we'll mention today out of that specificity because we don't have time to go through all of it. You could teach on the tabernacle for a year. Or more. People have been doing it for a long time. One thing that we'll mention, though, about this tabernacle that God gave instruction to build. Now, this is God's instruction. Here's what I want you to build amongst my people so that I can dwell in their midst. It wasn't a pyramid. It wasn't a ziggurat. It wasn't a stone temple. It wasn't a man-made mountain. It wasn't a tower that would reach up to the heavens. It was a tent. It was a tent from which the presence of God would come down the mountain and dwell amongst the people who were also living in what? Tents. He said, Build me a tent that I can dwell in and dwell amongst the people. And if you read at the end of the book of Exodus in chapter 40, that book ends with the tabernacle having been constructed according to the specifications that God Almighty gave. And then the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle and the spirit of God dwells with his people as they walked around down here in the dirt or on the dirt. They couldn't climb his holy mountain. He came down to where they were. But now that was not the end all solution. That was a temporary solution. Remember, Psalm 24 was written well after the book of Exodus. And so when you see this in Psalm 24, there's still this heart and this mindset of who will ascend the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who hasn't appealed to what is false and who hasn't sworn deceitfully. He will receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Again, sounds nice. We're not qualified. As I think back through all these pictures of the different structures all across the world, across the literal world. They're all reaching for him, whether they realize that's what they're doing or not. They're climbing. They're striving. They're looking. Even Israel was doing that while Moses is with God on the mountain. What are they doing in the valley? They're worshiping an idol. They're they're trying to get God on the ground with them. This mindset of either we'll rise to him or we'll bring him down to our level this idolatry that we see and that we can still see today. It ends in discontent and it ends in destruction. Why? Because we have a desire to ascend and we do not have the ability who may ascend the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. And see, we're just like the children of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. We can't go up there. We don't meet the qualifications. What are we going to do? Who will ascend the mountain of the Lord who will stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not appealed to what is false and who has not sworn deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such as the generation of those who inquire of him who seek the face of the God of Jacob. What are we going to do? Thankfully, here we can keep reading. It doesn't stop there. Look at what it says next in verse seven. Lift up your heads, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. Then the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. Then the king of glory will come in. Who is he? This king of glory the Lord of armies. He is the King of glory. The answer and the Christmas celebration is we don't have to go up. We don't have to go up the hill. We can look up as the King of glory comes in. Who is this King of glory? Strong and mighty Lord of heaven's army. See the father On Sinai didn't call them to ascend. He didn't say, come up here where I am. He descended, he condescended and he dwelled in a tent. Just like, a, just like they were dwelling in or in the likeness of the one that they were dwelling in. But it was put together with a lot more thought. It was set apart. It was holy. It was unique even though it was like the one that they were in. Why did he do that? So he could be right next door to them. So he could meet with them so that he could reveal to them his character, his nature, and his will for their life, their nation, and for the rest of the world. But it was a tent and a tent is temporary because he didn't want to just live next door to them. He wanted to be in their tent with them. He was going to bring about something that was better than what they could imagine. And for us and what I believe this is pointing to in Psalm 24 is that the son of God came down from the mountain of God and came down and dwelled in a tent like we live in. Came down incarnate flesh and blood and bone like a tent that we live in, but more specific. He was unique. He was holy. He was set apart, even though he was dwelling in one like us. The one we had been missing, the one we had been needing, the one we had been longing for and seeking that we were reaching for but couldn't reach. He came down to us and lived in a tent like the one that we live in. Why? So that he could reveal to us the nature and character of God so that he could demonstrate to us what would take place. So that we could be with God forever. The one we desired to be with, but we had been separated from. He was bringing us back into fellowship with God Almighty. But him being in that tent by itself wasn't the final solution. Just like the tabernacle wasn't the final solution. Why? Tent is temporary. It was meant to bring about something more than we could Imagine, because he didn't just want a tabernacle here with us, shoulder to shoulder. He wanted to live where within us, just like God Almighty. I don't want my tent to just be next to your tent. I want to be in your tent with you. He didn't want his body to just be next to your body. He wanted to be in your tent with you. I want you to look with me. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures here as we finish up. Romans 10. Everybody's familiar with this one, right? Romans 10 and verse 6. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will go down in the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? Say where? In Deuteronomy, what Moses wrote, he said, the message is near you. It's in your heart and in your mouth. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If we confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What am I confessing? Not only that Jesus is Lord, but that he came down the mountain for me. And that he died and sacrificed himself, rose again to prove that his sacrifice was sufficient. I confess that with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone hang on to that part because I'm going to show you something else that I thought was neat. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It said don't talk about who's going to go up and get him. Why? Because you don't have to do that. He came down for you. Don't don't talk about who's going to go down to the abyss and bring him back up from the dead because that's already been done for you. You don't have to do any of that either. All you have to do is believe that he came and that his purpose for coming was accomplished. Why? So that we could be like those who have clean hands and like the one that has a pure heart that we can be standing in his righteousness because he is qualified to ascend the hill Of the Lord, but it says, All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I saw something neat while I was looking through this, and it was all the way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 4. Now remember, the fall was in chapter 3, and they were driven out from the garden, from the holy mountain, where they dwelled with God. It's just one little sentence here at the end of chapter 4. It talks about a son, another son, after Abel was murdered by his brother Cain. We talked about them in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 4, chapter 4 and 26. A son was born to Seth also, and he named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. People began to call on the name of the Lord. Even back at the very beginning, people were calling on the name of the Lord. Of the Lord. We can't ascend the mountain. What are we doing? We're calling on the Lord. Because only He can do it. Remember we read in Hebrews chapter eleven and verse thirteen. These all died in faith, talking about Seth and all the way down. They died in faith. They they died calling on the name of the Lord, wanting to go up the mountain and not be able being able to go up the mountain. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. I don't live here. I'm going somewhere else. Verse 14. Now, those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have an opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. These that have called on his name. I want to come up there with you and I can't. You told me that I'd get to make it home. You made a promise to me and I haven't seen it yet, but I can see it afar off. And he said they died in faith believe in and he has not been ashamed to be called their God. He's prepared a city for them. It's not like these towers and these man-made mountains. It's not like these man-made cities where we think we can be separate from God, that we think we can live without God. It's a city made by God. And I want you to show, show you just a, just a glimpse of that city in Revelation 21. Revelation 21 and verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. What was it doing? What was it doing? I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven From God, prepared like a bride, adorned for her husband. See, just like God's presence descending the mountain to dwell in the tabernacle, it was temporary to bring about something else. Christ coming down in the flesh to walk the earth, the same dirt that we walk on. He walked on it with them, but he didn't stay that way. It was temporary to bring about something else. This is what it was to bring about. This is the city from Hebrews. This is what those who called on the name of the Lord as far back as the book of Genesis. This is what they longed to see. This is what they desire. This is what the lost people of the world as they built these man-made mountains. This is what they were trying to reach and couldn't. Verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people's. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief and crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. What were the previous things? Us being at the bottom of the mountain and not being able to get up there. Us being driven out of the Garden of Eden and the Mountain of God and being kept away from the one place. That we most wanted to and most needed to be. This is what Christ accomplished when he descended the mountain on our behalf. Look, flip over to verse 22. If I had time to read all of it, I would. He's talking about this new city and he goes through and talks about all the details and how grand it is and the design and the beautiful stones and how amazing it is. Verse 22, I did not see a temple in it. I looked around the whole city and I didn't see a temple in it. Why not, John? Because the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Because the, the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. He said this beautiful city did what? It came down from heaven to the earth. And he went through and talked about how beautiful it was. But he said, one thing I didn't see in there, I didn't see a temple. He said, I didn't see that place. What was the temple? doesn't need to be a sun or a moon. The Lord lights it himself. Even the kings of the earth are going to bring their glory into it. All things, like it said in Ephesians, being brought into unity under Christ Jesus. Things in Heaven and things on earth. And its gates will never close. It means nobody's going to be kept out. At night they would close the gate because bad things happen at night. We can't just be letting anybody into here. There's a lot of, you know, rough folks out there. It says the gates never close by day because it's never night there. And the nation's bring in glory and honor into it. Now, you probably wonder about that. Nothing unclean will ever enter it. Doggone, here we go again. What about me? I'm unclean. But it said, nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. Those that Romans ten called on the name of the Lord, just like the ones way back at the beginning, the ones that desired a home place and believed that Jesus could could get them there, that He could take them all the way home, even though they weren't clean. In Him, they are clean, and guess what? We get to enter. In this is what we celebrate at Christmas. Okay, this is what it's about. This is the grand design. This is the big picture. And we don't want to lose it in all the fun things that we get to do. Which God bless. It's awesome. I love all of them. We don't want to lose or miss this. That we were at the foot of the mountain. Unable to ascend. Wanting to get back to the dwelling place of God. That Edenic reality. Where God dwells with His people. Just like He came down the mountain. For His presence to dwell among them in the tabernacle. Christ has come down. To dwell with man, Emmanuel, God with us, walking in the dirt with you and me, as the one song says. Down here walking in the dirt with us so that he could bring about us being able to walk on the streets of the high hills with him. He came and walked in the low places with us so that we could ascend the high places with him. Amen. Emmanuel, in likeness to us, but unique and holy. It said in Luke, the angel told Mary, the one that will be born is holy because he's going to save his people from their sins and take us home where we belong. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for another sight line on how beautiful you are. God, we can look at these Structures that man has built, and they were trying hard to reach something. They were trying hard to accomplish something over years and decades of sweating and striving and struggling, many dying in the search for that divine connection. Lord, we can't ascend to the hill, but you' descending down to us. Jesus. Cain, the Son who was always with the Father, through whom all things were created, you descended down to be with us, to reveal to us the nature and character of God, and the will to bring all people into your kingdom. And you opened the door that had forever been closed. I thank you that as we read in Romans chapter 10, that it's not, how how can we run up, jump up there to where you are and grab hope? How can we dig down to the grave you were in and do something special for you? It doesn't have anything to do with that. The truth is in our heart and our mouth that you are Lord. And we believe that you came in flesh and blood like us, but that you were raised from the dead on the third day for our justification. Or so it would be just like we had never sinned. So that we can be at home with you now in spirit. And we can be on our way home with you at the end of all things. And we can be like those in Hebrews 11 who desire a better place. And you're not ashamed to be called our God. And we're not ashamed to be called your people. Lord, I pray for the men and women in this room. I pray that they would see you with eyes of faith. Seeing you as big as you are, as beautiful and as glorious and as honorable as you are. Seeing your sacrifice, how gracious you were to condescend down to where we are so that you could lift us up. Lord, it's in humility that we bow our heads before you today. But I thank you that it's also with a key understanding of your grace and your mercy to know that even though we don't deserve to be in your presence, we can come boldly before your throne. And I thank you that that city doesn't come down. That new, earth, new, that new heaven and new earth doesn't come down without Christ first descending. And Lord, if it did, we wouldn't, it would land on us. It would crush us. I thank you that you're long-suffering and compassionate with us. And I thank you that you sent Christ Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us dwelling in a tent like we dwell in so that we could dwell with you forever. And Lord that this truth will be evident to us throughout this Christmas season. God that every good and enjoyable thing that we get to do, Lord, is going to just roll up and worship to you. And Father, if anything would try to creep up that would cause us to feel, you know, selfish or self-centered or Uh, A a little bit put off or or, or put out by things not going the way we wanted them to go or, uh, you know, our schedule not running like we wanted it to run. God, that those things would just melt in the presence of your glory and all that you are. And, And that we would not we would know that we don't have to strive to achieve because you received us in our meekest and in our worst and you brought us into your family. And I thank you that when we read, Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Him who has clean hands and a pure heart. That we can count ourselves in that number because Christ has cleaned our hands and He's purified our heart. And we stand before you as He would because that was your intention. And we thank you so much that we're not like those striving to build something to live life without you. But you're building something out of us so that we can live life with you. And we love you. And we thank you. As we, as we go today, keep us in peace. As we walk in unity with one another. And Lord, throughout this week, that we would be a light to others. That they would see our joy and our peace during this time. And it would be noticeable. That it would be marked. And Father, that we may even have opportunity to share about the hope that's within us. And I thank you that we can tell about that mountain.